Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Hey, good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V, the Grill Economist, coming to you live on this edition of Rogue News in the morning. CJ is out today, so I'll be holding the fort. I think he's uh, he has some business stuff to take care of. Anyway, check out check out our sponsor. Check out our, check out our paid sponsors, mycbdedibles.com, mycbdedibles.com for all your CBD edible goodness, and also check out roguenews.com, roguenews.com for all the things you're treated to your economic. And folks, I'm freaking excited. I am so bloody excited as to what is down the pike for roguenews.com. Uh, um, it's going to be huge. It's going to be massive. Um, there's going to be a major shift. So get ready for that. That's going to be starting hopefully by this coming week. Uh, we should have the new site up completely revamped, and we're going to have some new features and functions. We're going to have some exclusive stuff and some cool products. Uh, so it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. So keep it locked and loaded right here. Uh, and with that being out of the way, uh, let's kind of jump into it. There's a lot going on, um, you know, geostrategically, domestically and whatnot. There's a lot happening and, and, and it never ceases to stop. You know, it, it never ceases to stop. So. I'm going to jump right into this bad boy. Uh, split screen. And uh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'm rocking today, this morning, my new Samsung Galaxy Fold 3, which I just got the upgrade for. I had the Fold 2, but I was just, just too, seems too damn fragile. But my God, they hit it out of the ballpark with this. Being able to run like four apps at the same time simultaneously on, on the screen is just insane. Anyway, there's a lot happening, folks. A lot happening. Um, I think let's start domestically and we'll work our way out. Okay? And this kind of ties into what I mentioned yesterday with Siege. I mentioned the, you know, the thing. You know, the thing. The thing. You know, the thing. The The spaghetti... Strategy, the spaghetti diplomacy, right? And I mentioned that the way the U.S. is, is we have this spaghetti diplomacy, a spaghetti strategy where it's like taking a bowl of of freshly made spaghetti boiled up, right? And you take that bowl of spaghetti and you just throw it against the wall and you see what sticks. There's no strategy in place. There's no exit plan there's no middle plan and there's a foolhardy and clumsy beginning plan and that beginning plan is 
usually and typically opened up with loud explosions, bombs being dropped on people's heads, and the absolute evisceration of any sort of life on any sort of country that has decided that they don't want our brand of democracy. Or any country that wakes up and they realize, hey, you know what, they're sitting on an oil reserve. They're sitting on some natural resources. Or maybe they grow up and they realize, hey, you know what, there's a poppy field in our backyard. Maybe we shouldn't let anybody know this lest the U.S. show up. Then at that point they get the they don't get war they get kinetic action. No, oh, yeah, it's kinetic action. And we're seeing the decline and fall of an empire. We're seeing the end of things. How this plays out in the next three to five years, folks, is anybody's guess. But that's what I'm thinking. And depending on how things accelerate, I think we have about that amount that much amount of time, give or take a year or so, maybe two. And this morning, as I wake up, the 31st of August, where yesterday night, the last, or yesterday morning, U.S. time, the last aircraft has left Kabul International Airport, filled with Americans, filled with God knows who else. And the last aircraft is gone. And the only problem is the State Department has said that still a few hundred Americans left. The State Department, who's been lying to you about all the airlifts going on, that they're taking on thousands and thousands of people, and there's still only a few hundred left that, that will have to be extracted out of Afghanistan, utilizing the diplomacy of the State Department. But there's only one problem. There are third-party organizations that are on the ground. Some, like HelpOurAllies.org, headed up by one of the guys that are heading it up is, uh, is Tim Kennedy, a former Green Beret, a former retired MMA fighter, um, you know, a bit of a... A personal a personality and a celebrity out there. We've had Tim on many years ago. Um, but Tim Tim Kennedy's out there. And what Tim Kennedy was saying, and a few other people that are on the ground, I'm not talking about you know what his perspectives are in terms of the politics of the situation, nor what nor what his viewpoint is on the Taliban or what's happened with this, that, and the other. Just his observation. Just his observation on the ground. And his observation is there's still thousands of Americans there. And it's not the only one. There are many other organizations stating that there are thousands of Americans there. This is problematic. Extremely problematic. And now this morning, folks, there's a scathing letter written by over 100 retired generals and admirals that are demanding that the U.S. Defense Secretary, the affirmative action hire, Lloyd Austin, former Raytheon lobbyist, and the wokest of the wokest of all generals, a man who is 
needs to study his whiteness to find any sort of hate. The one and only Mark Milley. And there, and these admirals and generals are stating to Austin and Milley that you need to retire and resign immediately over the botched Afghanistan withdrawal. The retired flag officer signing this letter are calling for the resignation and the retirement of Secretary of Defense and the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff based on negligence in performing their duties, primarily involving events surrounding the disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. Reads Monday's letter signed by 90 retired top-ranking military officials. As principal military advisors to CINC, the commander-in-chief, president, and SECDEF, and the, uh, the commander of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, should have recommended against this dangerous withdrawal in the strongest possible terms. If they did not do everything within their authority to stop this hasty withdrawal, they should resign. And this right there, folks, is just the tip of the iceberg. The tip of the iceberg. You have to understand, and you know, throughout the last several months, throughout the last several years, We've been given glimpses, we've been given flashes into the inner workings of the criminal elite that are in Washington, D.C. And in the last four to five years, we're starting to realize that these people are not the criminal elite that we think they are. They are criminal through and through. But they're only elite in their own minds. They're not that smart. We start to realize that the majority of these people are a bunch of old, haggard nitwits. Low-talent, low-IQ hacks who've gotten to the highest positions because they've outgrafted one another. They've stabbed one another. They've eaten each other. They picked and clawed themselves to the top whatever positions they can with a lengthy list of skeletons in the closet, folks. This country has no plan. And one of the glimpses of the incompetence of the United States is this. They gave up the Bagram Air Base. And not a single general, not a single officer, not a single person in command stood up and said, hey, you know what? This is a bad idea. Let's not do this. We're going to get people killed. Maybe we shouldn't we should have started this back in May when it was supposed to start back in May. Let's not wait until the dead of night, in the middle of August, to start a withdrawal where everybody wakes up and the entire place is just empty. Leaving behind tens of thousands of people in absolute bewilderment as to what has happened. Not one flag officer has come forward and said stop we can't do this why because just folks this is these are a bunch of yes men you don't understand how mediocre and pathetically weak your military is you have no idea when you have majors in the army who have engaged in battles with the taliban right and the and they and they themselves their own words in the books they've written, in the, in the accounts that they've recounted? Or is it the best that I can do with all my drones, with all my screens, with all my technology, with all my hardware, 
the best I can do is fight them to a standstill. A bunch of guys in black pajamas, an AK-47, and a horse. All I can do is fight them to a standstill. This is huge. Gross incompetence. Massive incompetence. And we're able to see this incompetence appear time and time again. Flashes of it. The entire debacle over this whole scandemic. The entire debacle, the, the corruption that you see, the French laundry situation with the idiot in California, the moronic Nancy Pelosi having dinner parties. You see how they snub you. You see how they revile you. And the American public is starting to wake up and realize that we are, as a nation, terminally in an unwinnable situation militarily, geostrategically, and economically. We are terminal. There's no ends. There's no ifs. There's no buts about it. We are absolutely terminal. The worst part is, folks, is word is getting out that we the Taliban offered, right? They've offered they've offered to allow the US to keep Bagram Air Base, to keep and to have an orderly withdrawal. It's incredible. Absolutely incredible. So what has become of this? Okay. What has become of, of what we're going to be witnessing here in Afghanistan and how it plays out to the bigger region? Right. And what's going to happen as this thing plays out? You've probably heard through multiple sources that China has come forward and, and Russia has come forward and they're talking with the Taliban. They're not, you know, Western media will have you believe that the Chinese were the ones who are instrumental in engineering this whole Taliban thing. And they, they're the ones who set this trap for the U.S. No, we screwed ourselves up. We are a nation that blows off its own head to spite our own, spite our own nose. We blow off our head despite our own nose. That's who we are. We're a nation that I said it again yesterday that if tomorrow the oceans of the world will dry up, we would still be building submarines. Because that's just what we do. So the Chinese and the Russians have engaged. And in fact, the Russians have been in communication with the, Af with, with the Afghans, with the Taliban for the last seven years. And irrespective of what the hell's going on right now, let me tell you how this thing plays out. There will be a stabilization force in, in Afghanistan. Now, the Americans have left. Several thousand Americans left behind in Afghanistan. Some of them will come out. They will be diplomatically brought out. They will, I, don't think, I don't see a problem happening with that. See, the U.S. left them in order to create an international problem. The U.S. cannot have a military action any longer in Afghanistan. It's just not going to work. They're going to make it worse. But what they can do is try to form a narrative 
oh, we're trying to negotiate with the Taliban and they're not letting out American people. Our people are stuck behind there. They're being impossible to work with. They're going to give out all sorts of excuses. Some would say, well, you know what, the, 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 the Americans, you know, they've created all the chaos. They got out with the Taliban's gold. They got out with Afghanistan's gold. They got out with some of the, you know, some of the money from Afghanistan that froze the funds. Folks, let me explain something to you. You know, 2.9 tons of gold and $7.5 billion is nothing. Is nothing in comparison to the $100 trillion that's underground. $100 trillion in mineral wealth and strategic metal wealth that is buried under the ground in Afghanistan. That's what the real prize is. And the Americans understand that there's no way, the American government understands that there's no way, and they have no capability to extract any of that. You see, in an alternate reality, in an alternate world, if America was not this hegemonic, lunatic empire the schizophrenic nut job running around the world destroying and breaking everything. In an alternate reality, if America was actually a decent country that didn't bullshit and lie its way through the world, and it actually gave a damn about the betterment of all nations everywhere, and not try to shove its BS democracy nonsense down other people's throats, what would happen is you'd have the United States, along with China, along with Russia, along with India, and other multinational countries plugged in to the only open-source, modular economic system that's ever been created, which is known as the One Belt, One Road, or the multipolar world. You can call you know, it the Eurasian Trade Zone. You call whatever the name you want to call it. Silk Road, Eurasian Trade Zone, One Belt, One Road, whatever you want to call it. I like to call it the multipolar world. The U.S. would have plugged into the multipolar world. And not only would we as a nation prosper by creating tens, tens of millions of jobs here at home and building a real physical economy and eradicating poverty in this country. Not only would we have done that, but we would have been partakers in rebuilding Afghanistan. We would have been partakers in making Afghanistan a prosperous and successful country. You see, the, even though the Taliban are sold onto war and they're given onto this, that, and the other, there is a unifying thing that unifies all human beings all over the world. And that is the profit motive. That is economics. And this is why I've always said since I came on the scene in 2012, economics is the most powerful driver in human history. Folks, the, the, the very term, hey, you know what, uh, keeping the books, where do you think that came from? You have to understand that man invented language in order to keep track of his stuff. So when he barters and trades, there's a record and an account from it. That is how written language came about. Hence the word, keeping the books. So what we fail to do militarily because we are led by a handful of greedy scumbags, sons of bitch boomers who need to die. These are the 80, 70, 80-year-olds, the 69-years-old, the, 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 these idiots in Congress who need to die. 
They need to get brain cancer or, 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 or just drop dead from old age. We're being led by defense contractors and pharmaceutical companies and all these other companies with all these global corporate interests. Instead, we should be led by industrialists. We should be led by those who literally seek the benefit of their fellow man, their fellow American. And we would have prospered in the $100 trillion deal that is Afghanistan. We would have prospered. But you see, we've gutted out our industry. We've gutted out our infrastructure. We've offshored our manufacturing. We produce nothing in this country, absolutely nothing. Our biggest exports are trash and recyclables. Our biggest industry is pharmaceuticals. And they sold you the life. We're a service-based economy. We just consume things. Uh-huh. Living on debt. You see, the people in power in the U.S. understood this. They understood that there's no capable way of them extracting trillions of dollars worth of mineral wealth out of Afghanistan. They know they don't have the manpower, the machinery, the know-how, the talent, or the funds to get it done. It's rife with incompetence. You have to understand, when you start viewing your government and you, those in government and those bureaucrats that are in government, you start viewing them as some of the most incompetent sons of bitches you've ever encountered in your goddamn life, then you know what? You, then you get a really good understanding of how things really work. So rather than taking $100 trillion out of the ground in rare earths and strategic metals, it's over three and a half trillion in, in lithium and copper alone that we know of. There's trash, trash me, there's a lot more. We'd rather have a couple hundred billion dollars of poppy, of opium. Yeah. Yeah. Because we need to get the population hooked on drugs. That's right. We need to get them hooked on drugs, get that opium in there legally, get every doctor incentivized to sell opium to their, to their patients. And then when you create the opium crisis in this country, you can have a you can flood the prison population. That's the other thing we have. We lead the world in the highest prison population. It's wonderful. Our dumbass kids don't know nothing. They know how to twerk. They know pop culture. They know the latest uh, uh, um, douchebag uh, entertainers. But on how the world works, nothing. At the bottom of the heap, the most brightest minds here at the bottom of the heap in math and sciences. Done a great job. But in an alternate reality, we're a prosperous country. In an alternate reality, things have been fine. And maybe, just maybe, we have a chance here. The few of us that listen, the few of us that understand how things really are, maybe there's a chance here that we get a chance, an opportunity to frame our narrative. Maybe we get a chance that when this thing ends, when the empire dies, when exceptional stand is no more, that America will once, once again rise. So what is the geopolitical outlook? What has happened since the fall of Afghanistan and Afghanistan has been taken over and brought back? Well, China and Russia are bringing it into the multipolar world. They will be integrated as another module in the multipolar world of individual nation states who retain their sovereignty, who are able to 
to freely trade, freely be part of an agreement, an agreement that by law and by decree, they can leave at any time they want. There's no coercion. There's no force. But why would they want to leave when there's going to be hundreds of trillions of dollars in terms of profit to be made? Why would they ever want to leave? It's a financial incentive, folks. It's a powerful driver. And then hot on the heel of this massive geo geostrategic reordering of the world that you see happening, it happened first in Syria. It's happened next in Afghanistan. It's going to happen next again in Iraq. What you're going to see, folks, and it's happened just the other day when Turkey announced that they want normalizations in relationships with Armenia. The Armenians and the Turks have been at odds with each other for decades. We all know very well the Armenian genocide. But now all of a sudden, when Turkey's currency was floundering the last several years, when the Turkish lira was, was being decimated in the Forex markets, and when their economy started taking a nosedive, and when they were beginning to break during the whole entire pandemic, and they're doing their own thing, they're half in NATO, they're half out of NATO, they're, they're, they're pussyfooting, they're, 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 oh yeah, they're for NATO, they're against NATO, and they want the U.S. out of their country. All these other things that are happening, just now Turkey's brought to stability, and they're, made, they're being made to play nice-nice with the Armenians to the point. I would not be surprised in the next few in the next coming months that Turkey will recognize the Armenian genocide. That is huge. Why is that, you say? Why is that, you say? Why is this big news? Turkey historically has been a central focal point of geopolitical trade and commerce. It is going to return to its historical roots as that. They have been stabilized during their financial crisis by both the Chinese and the Russians. They were made sure that their industry stayed afloat while they're on the verge of a currency crisis. And in doing so, the Russians and the Chinese, and the Russians specifically has told Turkey, listen, we're getting this thing squared away with in Afghanistan. It's going to be stabilized. It's going to be plugged in as an open modular system into the multipolar world. You guys are next. Because we got Iran part of the multipolar world. We have Afghanistan on part of the multipolar world. We have Pakistan on part of the multipolar world. And we have soon Iraq and then Syria and then you. But you need to make nice-nice with the Armenians because the Armenians want to come on board. The U.S. Patsy president there is being brought to heel. And the U.S. Patsies that have been there that have long ignored Eastern Europe and the Caucasus to their detriment. Every single one of those countries are being brought and brought into a line against the unipolar world headed by the Anglo-American power structure. You know, I bring this up not because I'm rah-rahing and cheering for one thing. No. I bring this up to highlight, to compare and contrast. Look how you, how you run an organization 
of hundreds of countries working together without a single bullet being fired compared to us. Just compare that. Compare, to, compare what Russia and China does to, to what we do. We're insane. We're insane. Now, there's a guy on, on the internet on YouTube named Tommy Sotomayor. He always talks about issues within the black community. But he made a comment one time though, years ago that I thought was very funny. He said that, you know, some people are just like the retarded kid in the back. They're like the retarded snack pack thrower. He's like the retarded kid in the back. He comes on the short bus. He sits in the back of the class and he throws his little snack pack, snack, you know, chips or whatever. And he's sitting in the back of the class and he's throwing his snack packs at kids. I started laughing when I heard that. I was like, the retarded snack pack thrower. That's what he called them. That's kind of like how we are. We're like the dumb, retarded kids sitting in the back of the class throwing our snacks at people. It's a perfect analogy. All we, knew, all we know how to do is create a mess. It's terrible. We are several decades behind in terms of upscaling and building anything. Unreal, folks. Absolutely unreal. A lot of people are complaining. You know, we have... Oh, my God, we have this thing called COVID, and we have the COVID pass coming and and whatnot. Folks, I don't know if you heard the story, but Chase Bank cancels General Mike Flynn's credit card. Chase Bank has canceled General Michael Flynn's personal credit card. Possible reputational risk to our company. You know? And it says here, uh, uh, Chase Bank canceled Flynn's uh, personal credit card over reputational risk. Lieutenant Michael uh, Flynn, former President Trump's first national security advisor, um, was had his accounts closed without any sort of warning. They gave him a letter, and they said, look, we're going to close out your card. You can't bank with us. Chinese social credit score. My God, it's coming here. No, folks, we're not getting it. See, what's coming here to this country, unless you wake up, unless the people of the country wake up and stand up against it, what's coming here is not the Chinese social credit score. What's coming here is something far worse. You're going you're gonna to wish you had the Chinese social credit system. You see, the Chinese social credit system, what a lot of Westerners don't tell you, I'm not a fan of it. That's their cultural thing. They voted for it overwhelmingly, unanimously. The population were polled. Do you understand that? That's, how, that's the way their political party works. They poll their population, and based on the polling, that's what they implement. You're constantly polled. So in their system that they have set up, culture works for them. I don't like it. That's why I'll never live there, right? But it works for them. That's their culture. That's cool. Whatever. That, you, you, you do you, as they, as they say, right? But the point I'm trying to make is this. In their system, this couldn't happen. You'd have to first take an individual to court, and in a court of law have to be proven to be in violation of something. 
and then only you're put on the list. And then when you're put on the list, you're absolutely able to work yourself back by doing good deeds for the benefit of the community in which you live. That's the way it works. You might not like it, but that's their thing. They voted on it. It wasn't something the their 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 politicians, their their government thought up one day and started implementing. No, the citizenry voted on it. That's the way it works over there. Over here, they just put you on a no-fly list. You buy tickets to an airline, you try to fly that day, you can't fly out. What? What, what happened? You're on a no-fly list. How did I how did I be on a no-fly list? Over here, they just deplatform you. They debank you. You have no access to your funds anymore. Look what happened to the guy who owns Gab. He survived because of the the gracious generosity of others. That's how a man with a wife and two kids survived. You're debanked. No judge, no jury, nothing. No way to defend yourself. You're just that. That's what's happening to you. You see, folks, it's a completely different system. Don't let them trick you. It's incredible. I warned about a system like this back in 2012. I said they want to take your social media and combine it with all the other metrics to see who, what your social score is going to be. And that's going to be the predicator on whether you get a loan. That's going to be a predicator on so many things. And then you tie this whole, bio, this whole biomedical security state that is starting to grow. And, folks, here's the most dangerous thing. When these ideas are fashioned and festooned and thrown upon the population by these mindless politicians, these bureaucrats, and the psychopathic companies that rule them, these corporations that rule them, if you don't resist to it, very soon and very quickly, there will be offices created locally in first and federal government, and then eventually down into the state level, where federal branches, these bureaucracies will be created. Maybe it will be the, the, the pandemic police. Maybe it will be the, the health. You'll have a, a local health minder who goes around knocking on everybody's door, scanning your QR code on your phone in front of your house to make sure that you're that you've been vaccinated. Or perhaps you're going to have some sort of system. Maybe there's a QR code that, that digitally appears on your mailbox, right? So the health inspector comes to buy, he scans your mailbox. This health inspector could be somebody who could double as a postal guy. He'll scan your mailbox. And if your testing is not compliant and your testing and in, in, in your uh, in your testing results or your vaccination updates, which are held on your phone, which is linked to that digital QR reader that's on your mailbox is not synced up properly, right? If, 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 if that doesn't update, well, then you're in violation, and then you're going to probably be fined. Maybe you won't be able to buy your groceries for that week. Maybe you'll have $500 taken out of your account without even you knowing, or 500 Fed bucks or Fed coins taken out of your account. There's all sorts of craziness that's at play here. And this is why it's important that people resist it. Unreal, folks. Unreal. This 
Labor Day. Now they're saying if you travel this Labor Day, it's going to be the most expensive you'll ever pay for gas in seven years. Right? It's incredible. It's a great article here. It says, America's energy strategy is bonkers. I say America's energy strategy is insane. It's bonkers. It's stupid. America's foreign policy is stupid. America's military industrial complex is stupid. America's intelligence apparatus is stupid. America's uh, everything you want is obsolete and stupid, bloated, broken, and doesn't work. Name it. Name a department that runs effectively and smoothly. Doesn't exist. Higher gasoline costs if left unchecked risk harming the ongoing global recovery. The price of crude oil has been higher than it was in the end of 2019 before the onset of the scandemic. While OPEC Plus recently agreed to production increases, these increases will not fully offset previous production cuts that OPEC Plus imposed during the pandemic until well into 2022. At a critical moment in the global recovery, this is simply not enough. President Crash Test Dummy has made it clear that he wants Americans to have access to affordable and reliable energy, including at the pump. Okay, this is what Jake Sullivan, the National Security Advisor, said. Almost a decade ago, the official mascots of the London 2012 Olympics were revealed. Didn't go very well. Okay, At the time, I was perusing the magazine article, collecting various reactions to the mascots, and I think it was time, but I can't be sure. And one commentator delivered a line that will stick with me forever. This can only be the work of a committee. It has committee written all over it. Okay. And then, basically, what I'm okay. If you think burning fossil fuels is bad for the planet, you should be slowed and eventually stopped altogether. Actions are perfectly fine, even laudable. What is not fine is to expect the price of oil and, by extension, gasoline wouldn't go up as a result of these policies. It takes a special kind of stupid to think that crimping supply for a highly inelastic commodity wouldn't spike prices higher, especially as the economy continues to experience accelerated recovery from the impact of COVID-19. Further, this is the exact result you should want if your intent is to reduce demand for fossil fuels. You don't have to have a PhD in economics to understand that destroying demand with price is particularly effective. Higher prices for fossil fuels also make the development of alternatives more economically feasible, thereby accelerating our environmental transformation. There's simply no path to substantially reduce carbon intensity without substantially higher prices for fossil fuels. But what is happening in this insanity, folks, is while they are purposely, when there's an abundant supply, and folks, I've said this back when Trump was in power, we have at least enough, there's enough glut of oil in the system to last us 10 years. Eight years, no problem. There's no supply issues here. But by making it more and more expensive, they think, well, we're going to go ahead and we're going to, again, government minders, the bureaucrats who think they know anything, guys who couldn't run a lemonade stand, who couldn't do anything like that, think that if they can manipulate the prices, they could crimp supply and manipulate the prices, they'll make green energy more affordable. The problem is we don't make any of the green technology here, number one. Number two, it's extremely cost-prohibitive because it takes more barrels of oil to make, and it's more energy-intensive to make a windmill than it is to haul 
several thousand gallons of gasoline in, in, in a truck and have it pumped into a station. They're deindustrializing us, and that's okay. That's great. That's wonderful. See, it makes no sense. Folks, you cannot have a vibrant, booming economy and then be green at the same time. That's bullshit. It doesn't exist. You cannot have a vibrant, you know, wonderful economy and then say we're going to be green, but your only green options are a windmill and a solar panel. It's beyond stupid. You'd be like California. Hey, uh, please, uh, we advise you do not plug your uh, your electric car in at any time during this point. We just want to make sure that uh, that we don't blow out our our system here, our grid. But they want everybody to drive electric cars. And none of the, and I've said this a million times, none of the components needed, the rare earths, the strategic metals that are needed in order to have a battery for your electric car exists here in the United States. But they're not thinking that. They're not thinking 5, 10, 20 years ahead. And this is the problem with the leadership of this nation. They're thinking two and four year terms. Past that, they don't care. If that problem is there in four years or two years, we kick the can. We keep throwing money at it. Well, it works until people stop accepting your money, which circles back to the Afghanistan defeat. Folks, you have to understand, the only thing that is back in the U.S. dollar, I know it's not gold. Some will say it's, it's oil, it's petrodollar. No, the only thing backing the dollar is the full might and power of the United States military which right now on a grand global scale looks like a pathetic joke. What has happened in Afghanistan is going to reverberate into everything else in the global economy. It will only increase de-dollarization. All these countries that thought, oh my God, America's got our back. They don't got our back. All these countries that were on the fence about sitting on the, you know, whether I, you know, get on the multipolar world or stay with the unipolar world order, the rules-based order, or get on with the multipolar world. And now they're on with the multipolar world. We have no idea what we're doing. None. You know, we are literally a dying empire. We are piloted by morons. And every possible geostrategic blunder that you can make, we have done it. Anything possible... If there is a rule book, hey, these are the seven to ten things that you need to do in order not to destroy your economy. Well, we went ahead and did the exact opposite. We went ahead and destroyed the economy. These are the steps that you need to follow so you don't have a military blunder. Well, we disregarded that as well. Folks, this is not going to end well for any of us. And I think that you guys need to seriously pay attention in the next coming weeks as we enter the fall season. 
there's going to be some serious moves that are going to be happening geostrategically, geopolitically. And you're going to see the continued weakening of America. All the while, you're going to see asset prices going through the roof. All this Fed taper nonsense is just what it is. It's just nonsense talk. It's just word salad, the FMOC. Taper talk is nonsense. They're going to taper nothing. Yield-starved banks will continue to flock into alternative asset classes. They will continue to flock into cryptos. They will continue to flock into gold and silver. And if you're holding these said assets, I think they're going to perform very well. I'm not giving you investment advice. That's just my opinion. You're going to see stocks soaring. I think the market's going to go to 40,000 next. Next two years, we're going to see Dow 40,000. It's coming. You got to hide the inflation somewhere. The only thing left for the magician who's lost his magic, the only thing left for the magician who's been exposed as the huckster that he is, is to make a grander illusion. The rest of the world ain't buying it. But the magician doesn't, at this point, doesn't care about the rest of the world. The, the magician understands that all of his shows around the world have been canceled. That the world has canceled his shows. All the other countries in the world are like, yeah, we don't want you. You suck. We know your tricks. We know your cheap parlor tricks. And those were illusions that we used to ooh and wow and wow and, and ooh over for decades. But now we realize you're just a, a cheap parlor trick magician who should be doing birthdays and bar mitzvahs. So the magician knows that, that he has no chance in doing any of these shows, but he understands that back in his home country, he still has a sellout crowd. Back in his home country, his at least half of his crowd thinks that he's still pretty awesome. At least half. The other half is trying to wake up to how much this guy sucks. So what does he got to do? He's got to put on the most grandest illusion possible in order not to convince the world, but to convince his own population, to convince his own citizenry, to convince his own market. He's got to put on the grandest illusion, the biggest ooh, the biggest wow, the biggest thing that you cannot ignore. And what's that going to be for the United States? Sky-high stock market. You're going to see... The stocks, the bonds, you're going to see alternative asset classes like cryptos, gold, commodities, all of which is going to move upward in a swing up. I've been saying it and calling it since 2012. People thought I was crazy. And now we're here. It's going to go up. Why? This is this last trick. You see, all these people that are out there holding charts, uh, the Dow is going to collapse uh, next Tuesday, and it's going to jump to 10,000 points. Folks, the Dow could crash tomorrow 5,000, 10,000 points and still be in a bull market. Facts. We're not crashing down. We're, cr- we're blowing up. We're going to crash up. Monetary hypoxia. Inflation starting to rise. Inflation will continue to rise. And then while this is happening, they have to take the dump dollars and stick it in the market, have it sopped up by the ESF, have it bolt-holded in in, in, um, Euroclear, 
in Clearstream, in 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 the in the Caymans, in, in in Ireland, wherever the hell they can bolt hole these dumped dollars, which are now called dark dollars. In other words, the United States is doing what Pablo Escobar did with excess cash reserves. Pablo would bury it in the ground. He'd vacuum seal it, he'll saran wrap it, bury pallets of cash in the ground where it would rot, where it would just die. The dollar would, the, the, the money that he would bury would just rot away, be eaten by, 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 by insects, you name it, worms, whatever. Big problem. He had a lot of shrinkage that way. The U.S. is doing the mon- monetary policy equivalent. Dollars are being dumped, and just like Pablo Escobar, the U.S. is taking dollars and burying it in various institutions and countries in over 96 freaking countries in the world. 96 locales are hiding the dollar right now. You won't hear that anywhere else, but you'll hear it here. Dark dollars. Kept off the books. But every single one of those 96 locations is being filled to the brim. They can't keep it moving. There's too much sludge in the pipes this time. There's not much time left. So this is the magician's last hurrah. This is how he exits stage left. You know why? Because he wants to sell out crowd. He wants to make sure that everybody buys into this. He wants pay-per-view rights. He wants everybody in. So what does that mean? You go to the grocery store. Hey, look, look at this gift card. This is pretty cool. You know, $50 gift card to Amazon. What's this? Oh, $100 micro share in a stock. I could buy a few micro shares in Apple stock. Yeah, that's a great idea. Brought to me by Goldman Sachs and JP Morgan. This is wonderful. Brought to me by Morgan Stanley. This is great. This is the wealth grab. This is what I've been saying for years. Since 2012, I said when a, when a country goes broke, its security apparatus goes from looking for enemy, from enemies from without and starts to look for enemies from within. It begins to squeeze its own citizenry. Why? Because it, everything has been a wealth extraction screen. Everything. Everything. the last hurrah and when they have this grand illusion and when all the trick is over the 50% of the population has been duped by this moron is going to be left standing holding the bag and the rest of the world will just snicker and say look we told you we try to tell you we try to tell you this guy is a huckster we try to tell you this guy is just selling parlor tricks dressed up we try to tell you there's nothing really magical about this magician that his illusions are just crap. There are still people walking around thinking that we're the biggest economy in the world. There are still people walking around like thinking that we're a, the biggest military superpower on God's green earth. That nothing will happen to America. That somehow America is absolved from history. That there's no ramifications. See, we got lulled to sleep during World War II because we had two oceans to protect us. We don't realize we live in a world where a hypersonic intercontinental ballistic missile can be launched from north of Moscow and it could hit New York in a matter of three minutes. See, we're living in a world where a hypersonic missile can be launched from northern Russia 
and it can go over the North Pole and hit Texas in about seven minutes and take out the entire state. Gone. Turn Texas into a glass parking lot. We don't have two oceans that can afford us any sort of protection. We're in perilous times, folks. We're in perilous times. Anyway, I'm at the end of the show. Uh, I'm going to have Matthew Everett on at 2 p.m., so keep it locked and loaded here. I'm going to reach out to him and make sure that he's going to be on board. And with that being said, I'm over and out. Check us out, roguenews.com. And once again, go to our paid sponsors, mycbedibles.com. And with that being said, I'm going to take it away. Cheers. Uh, wait, uh, let me look at some questions. Uh, what commodities will survive this, Wayne Rack? There's going to be lots of commodities. You ready? You got you, you got your notebook ready? Here we go. There's going to be gold, silver, platinum, palladium, rhodium, rhenium, ifnium, gallium, hafnium, cobalt, zinc, vanadium, lithium, molybdenum, magnesium. Those are some of the 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 the, the commodities that I that are, well, copper is going to explode. <laughs> Jeez Louise, copper is going to be huge. Silicon is going to be huge. Those are just some. Those are just some. Anyway, um, go back and listen to this um, if you get a chance. Those are the rare earth elements that are super important. I think uh, I think there's going to be commodity. Beef is going to look big because as 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 they're not only trying to decarbonize us, deindustrialize us, but they're also going to soyfy us. They're going to make us into like vegans. Beef prices are going to get exorbitantly expensive. So beef is, I think, the in the next ten years, unless something is pushed back, I think it looks good. I'm not saying going on on cattle futures here, but what I'm saying is, you know, I think meat prices are going to explode because the dumbass West. You know, thinks that uh, it's better to get your nutrition from plants. We're not fucking plant eaters, folks. Wake up. We're omnivorous. We need to be on an 80% meat diet. That doesn't mean you eat, you eat some slaughterhouse beef. That means you get good quality, or you know, organic, you know, meats, especially organ meats, which are excellent. Right? That's what you need to get. And high quality, vet, you know, vet, you know, plants and whatnot. But... I think that you know those are going to look good. Um, I, I think um, um, wheat's going to look good. Uh, a lot of agricultural products are going to do very well. I think they're going to the future is going to look very well. Don't ask me any specifics because that's not my area of expertise. I'm just the metals guy. That's what I do. I do metals. I do crypto. That's all I do. You know. Anyway, in terms of crypto, uh, there's a lot. I'm putting together another crypto list, which I'll have out for my clients, which I'll be putting out to Rogue as well. I'll leak a few here and there when I can. Um, yep, and with that being said, I'm over and out. Oh, eggs. Oh, my God. Get some free-range eggs, man. Eggs are everything. Love eggs. And that's it. And uh, with that being said, I'm over and out. Thank you all for listening in. It's the Gorilla. Cheers. <laughs>